0: This is the John Clayton Show
1: on 710 ESPN Seattle.
0: Get in on the conversation at
2: 866-979-ESPN. Now here's your host, the professor, John Clayton.
3: Now, again, we're going to be here until 1030. 1030, of course, is going to be the beginning of uh, Washington State uh, pregame because Washington State's got an early game. We've got an early game even earlier next week. So give us a call at 866 979 ESPN 206421 ESPN. Let's go to Jet in Seattle. Hey hey Jet.
1: Dr. John, how you doing this Hanging week? Hanging in there. Well, we're one game closer Ugh. to a top 5 pick. Mm-hmm. Again this year.
3: And then the injuries. I mean, you know, they lose the left tackle, Becton. That's not good. I mean, it's like this this thing is a disaster.
1: Oh, yeah. And I'm having to do it without my gin this year. So, Mm
3: -hmm.
1: you know, Jets without gin is just no fun. But what did you think of Zach Wilson in his first game? I was impressed. Uh huh. Um, Because, and I was impressed with the Jets team in general, uh, the way they came back. Uh, They didn't, you know, as we've seen, you know, for the past couple years, they would just, you know, pretty much fold up the tents, not make any adjustments. Just keep rolling the same crap out there, and just you know, not make any headway in the second half. But they made adjustments. Uh, they continued to play hard, mm-hmm. which I thought was very impressive. You know, that they didn't quit, and uh, I, I thought there's some good things to see. Um, Zach Wilson, uh, you know, didn't give up. He, the game, I think, was a little too fast for him in the in the first first half, but he started to settle in a little bit um and despite the fact he was running for his life i I think he did a pretty good job um so and you know one thing we learned uh the kid can take a punch yeah so you know i mean that was one of my big concerns was his uh you know his his durability but uh he took a couple pretty good licks there and Mm -hmm. uh he he bounced right back so but Uh, that belies the fact that the offensive line was just freaking atrocious. Um, And two things. First off, I'm going to mock you a little bit for mocking me over the summer regarding George Fant's contract and saying that was $9 million for what, sitting on the bench. Yeah, but I like George Fant. I
3: mean, George Fant was one of the favorite players when, when he was here in Seattle.
1: No there's, no, there's nothing wrong with George Fant, John, but you were saying that $9 million for a backup tackle was a waste of money. And now you see, as I tried to explain to you at the time, Joe mm-hmm. Douglas' wisdom that Becton for whatever reason. And, of course, this injury wasn't his fault. He got rolled right, up on. Right, right, right. But he seems seems to be injury-prone at this point. We can't keep him on the field. And, uh, you know, I mean, having Fant to come off the bench or Moses to come off the bench, mm-hmm. I mean, now you still got two good starting tackles. right? And I would surmise that... You know, Becton has not looked good in this system. And quite frankly, watching him in the bit that he did play, he wasn't all that effective, and he looked a little bit lost at times. And I'm not so sure how well or how fast he's going to pick up this new system mm-hmm. vis-a-vis George Fant, who uh, I-, I think is-, is is just designed to play in this system because he's athletic, he can move, and this is, this is the way he plays. Right. So I think with Moses and Fannett tackles, quite frankly, with not with the veteran component, but also with their, their, their abilities, I think we may see some improvement there uh, as we did in the second half of uh, last game.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: But boy, the communication on that offensive line, oh. as we surmised, just was not there. Mm-hmm. And that just belies the fact that these guys have no reps. And you just can't fake it, especially in game time. And you also got elijah vera tucker just missing blocks left and right there was no cohesion with him in, in the center uh my god they ran a couple of stunts and they just ran right around him and nobody picks him up uh van routen is just terrible and i'm just i'm tired of watching him play right uh they've got to find a substitute for him but uh they won't this year mm-hmm. but he's just he's just a hole i mean he's just a hole on that line um and again they still have trouble you know up the middle um but again, one of the sacks, you know, they came right across in front of the tight end, uh, untouched. All right. And that clearly was a miscommunication. I don't know. I, I, it was just it was just awful. And there were several of those times where there just nobody was touched. It was just a poor communication. And uh, boy, if they can't run the ball this week, but it's going to be a litmus test to see if they can. But if they can't run the ball, this team's in, in deep well, and trouble. And again, it's and like and
3: I, don't, I don't. Are they good enough at running back?
1: I don't think it's so. Not the running, John, John, I keep telling you, it's not the running back problem. It's the offensive oh, line no, we,
3: problem. Oh, no, I agree with that. But it's like, okay, but is there a running back that can overcome some of the bad blocking on the offensive line? And I'd say no.
1: John, I don't even think Travis Henry could overcome the blocking yeah, on the offensive true. line yeah,
5: currently. Yeah.
1: I mean, let, let's be candid here. I mean, this is not a running back problem right now. Mm-hmm. It's an offensive line problem. And uh, it's, pure, it's not hard to diagnose at this stage. Now, if they can start getting it together,
4: mm-hmm.
1: then then we'll see what the running backs can do. And then we can ask the, answer your question. But right now, I think it's premature. Yeah. We're not even to that stage yet.
3: No, I, I could agree with that. But, yeah, it, it does not look um, good. I mean, uh, it's going to be a long season for the Jets.
1: It's going to be a long season. There's going to be some highs. There's going to be an awful lot of lows. The so one thing that I was pleasantly surprised with, is uh, uh, the cornerbacks really didn't get torched?
4: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, and I don't. And, and it's not as if um, you know uh, the, the Panthers don't have decent receivers uh, or decent skill players. Right. Uh, the only big play of, um, on Robbie Anderson was that was a miscommunication uh, between the the, the safeties.
4: Mm-hmm. That had nothing
1: mm-hmm. to do with the corners. And so I thought the kids held up reasonably well. The thing I'm concerned about, John, is I don't see how this team is going to consistently stop the run. Right. Um, Yes, they've got, you know, unlike San Francisco uh, in Salah's heyday in, like, 2019, um, they do have some run stuffers. I mean, Williams can stuff the run. Mm -hmm. But Acoste can stuff the run. And then they can also rush the passer. He didn't really have that in San Francisco. I mean, you had guys constantly selling out to sack the passer, um, and you could run the ball, as as why the Seahawks had great success against uh, the the Niners when they chose to run the ball right at them because the uh, the defensive linemen were too tall, couldn't play the run, Mm -hmm. and uh, Bosa was selling out, and the linebackers were too small. And that's why Seattle was able to have success where most of the league couldn't because they were able to run the ball right at them. I suspect that's a problem with Salah's scheme, but at least the Jets have some tackles that can help. But they were getting gashed pretty good in that first half. They slowed down a little bit in the second half, but man, you know they're not playing two gap uh, uh, defensive lines. I mean, they're playing one gap, and they're 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 shooting the, the shooting the gaps.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: That puts an awful lot of pressure on your linebackers. And good lord, John, yeah, the linebacking crew on this team is so so weak and so paper-thin,
4: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Cashman got hurt again. You know, I mean, I I just don't see how they're going to stop the run. Yeah, yeah. I just don't see it. And and it's going to be interesting to see what New England's able to do against them because you know they're going to want to run the ball. Oh, no doubt. And, and, and uh, I think they can do a pretty good job against the New England pass game Mm-hmm. But I, I, I if they run the ball. The, the Jets are just doomed. They no. can't stop the run. No, that deep. no, He's doomed.
3: No, it's going to be bad. I, I don't see how they're going. I don't see how they're going to do it. Hey, thank you for the phone call.
1: Hey, John. Top five picks, not so bad, huh?
3: No, I mean, as long as it's not Micah Beckton getting injured all the time.
1: Yeah, well, well, he wasn't in the top five anyway. No, so.
3: that's true. Good point.
1: But uh, yeah, it's going to be a long season. I just hope that they can put enough pressure on. Uh, mm-hmm. Old McDonald, there behind the, the there line. There you go, the and I don't know, to scare the bejesus out of him. Yeah. and yeah. I just going and the, the good this, it's last thought. It's going to be interesting to see how Wilson holds up with the Belichick rookie quarterback litmus test.
3: Yeah, yeah, but we'll uh, see.
1: Now we'll we'll really see what this kid's what this kid's got. I yeah. think, uh, and how far along he is, because if he can survive this test and not be terribly scathed, I think we've really got something here.
3: Yeah, because, again, you know how good Bill Belichick is against rookie quarterbacks.
1: Oh, it's gonna be it could very well be brutal.
3: Yeah. Jet, but thank we'll you see. for the phone call. Thank you.
1: Take care, John. Talk to you next week.
3: 866-979-ESPN, two zero six four two one espn Let's go to Rick in Twin Lakes. Hey, Rick.
1: Hey, good morning, John.
3: Good morning.
6: Yeah, I was thinking there, man. Too bad you can't charge um, Jet there for a therapy session. Yeah. He was getting a lot off his chest there. I know. Yeah, man. Hey, um, um, good game uh, last Sunday with the Seahawks.
4: Mm-hmm.
6: Um, any road win is a good win. Um, and uh, I'll be at the game on Sunday.
4: Okay.
6: It'll be interesting to see what this Seahawk crowd sound like with mask on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Has anybody ever thought about that?
3: No, nobody's thought about that.
6: <laughs> but um, anyway, um, there's some mm-hmm. things that I uh, uh, liked uh, on Sunday that, and some that I didn't like. I like the, uh, the old line, the way they work together. And Russell looked good as usual. Mm-hmm. Uh, Everett looked really quick at tight end. And of course, our other wide receivers was, uh, was uh, up to their usual, um, um, you know, usual stuff. They did great. Um, now we did have a Three Stooges moment. And, um, that was when, uh, <laughs> uh the, uh, the nose tackle hit the center. And right. knocked over the quarterback. Yeah, I, I yeah. thought that man—that was um, four yucks on the scale. That was hilarious. So the, mm-hmm, the guy mm-hmm. that was doing announcing uh, couldn't stop laughing. Um, now I, I heard the uh, Raider Jim talk about um, KJ Wright, uh, and he did not—I t- did not see what he saw. He did not look quick at all, and I can understand why the Seahawks um, didn't sign him for a large amount of money. He looked—he uh, looked slow. Yeah, a couple times he they just went right around him, and I, he made one tackle and looked like it was on like a run blitz where he filled the gap and he came up and he barely got to clip the guy's ankles and, and got him down. But otherwise, he didn't look real quick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rasim Green, oh man. Oh uh, wow, he looked great. Dunlop, uh, the, the uh, Al Wood, uh, and of course <laughs> that nose tackle man. Oh man, Puna, Monet, Puna,
3: I, I love Puna, that guy, Puna man. Ford. What about Puna Ford?
6: Oh, Puna, yeah. He kind of got bent backwards. And um, he kind of cranked his back a little bit, but he came right back in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Daryl Taylor, all those guys look good. Now, the thing that, uh, the question that I have, okay, Trey Flowers, he gave up a touchdown late. And, uh, and I was looking at the film a couple nights ago. I recorded the game. And um, he had uh, supposed to have safety help to the inside. Yeah. And the guy caught the touchdown pass. And Jamal Adams was standing there in the middle watching the paint dry. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, Diggs went inside. I guess you can't have both safeties inside. No. But so Diggs, uh, Diggs went inside, and Jamal Adams was supposed to have deep coverage mm-hmm. as safety. Um, and of course, when the ball goes up over his head for a touchdown, he immediately jumps up in the air like, you know, like he forgot what his uh, duties were. Um, everybody say he's one of the best safeties of all time, you know, jack of all trades. He can cover, he can tackle, he can rush the passer. But right now, I'd really like the guy just to be a safety, mm-hmm. because, um, right now we got the pass rush covered. Right. Uh, he is really quick, he can tackle, but, um, but especially with Trey Flowers, you know, with the game on the line, well, not the game on the line, but with them desperate for a touchdown, that, uh, the guy they were, they was going to go after was Flowers. Mm-hmm, and of course, mm-hmm. he was, uh, he was easily uh, taken advantage of. But um, once again, I, um, I, uh, I'm i a Seahawks fan. I'll be there on Sunday, and I hope uh, good things will happen.
3: Yeah, I would have to think so. Again, again, they, I think they're catching Tennessee at the right time, just like they caught the Colts at the right time. And so now it's a matter of just executing and doing the best they can and trying to win the game. Rick, but thank trying you. to
6: tackle that tank that's coming at you, man. The what? That tank. But what tank? The running back from, yeah, from, right. from Tennessee, man. Mm-hmm. But I don't know too many guys just want to run up there. That's something yeah, you no. got to, you got to set yourself to do, man, because that guy's coming at you with the team of uh, steam. That what 6'3", 250 mm-hmm. pounds plus for running back. That is fast. Yeah, that's that's a that's a load.
3: It's a load, but again, it's like uh, you know, uh, how's the offensive line? And right now, the offensive line doesn't look good. Hey, thank you for the phone call.
6: All right, John. Take
3: care. 866-979-ESPN, two zero six four two one espn Dave Grosby joining us at the bottom of the hour. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.
1: This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com.
3: 866-979-ESPN, two zero six four two one espn Let's go to Rich in Monroe. Hey, Rich. Hey,
0: John. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Good, thanks. Uh, my question is on the backup running backs between Collins, Dallas, and Penny.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, from, you know, of course, I haven't, haven't been a practice, see any scrimmages. But from what I've seen, I think Dallas is, for one, a better running back than Collins. And two, I don't understand why Penny is a number two backup. I, I just haven't seen that much out of Gregg. He's been hurt most of the time, right? But I just don't understand why he's the number two guy.
3: Well, because I guess he's a former first-round pick, and you know he does have some speed to the outside and all those things. But I thought, uh, in my opinion, it was a mistake to uh, have him active, or at least to have Collins inactive in the game, because I think Collins, in my opinion, has been the second-best running back on the team in the preseason. You know, he's really better than Dallas. Yes. D- uh, Dallas is more of a third down running back. Gotcha. He's got good speed, but again, it's like uh, a, you, you're you know the running back uh, you want on first and second down, and I think Collins is better.
0: Yeah, he runs a lot. He's I see a lot of similarities to Carson with mm-hmm.
3: him. Hmm. Definitely. So again, I, 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 I guess it solves itself because Penny's not going to play tomorrow, so that right. Uh, How long is he out for, by the way? Mm-hmm. I didn't hear. Uh, probably a couple weeks, two, three weeks. A couple weeks. Yeah, cause it's, it's nothing major then? No, it's okay. a calf injury, so it's like, uh, you know, he won't be out too long, but I think he's going to be out at least two games.
0: Right, right. Yeah, I just, I mean, I guess Collins is a better all-around backup because of his, you know, how he runs mm-hmm, and
4: whatnot. Mm-hmm.
0: But I, I think, yeah, for Dallas, for, yeah, I could see why third down and, Third and long he's probably the guy to go to maybe
3: Oh yeah yeah because We're again he's pass. got he's got such good speed and all those different things and you know he's elusive on the outside and all that That's
0: was, yeah he's got really good vision mm-hmm. I think Mhm better you know So I just want to yeah I just want to get your take on I appreciate it
3: Hey Rich thank you 866 866979 ESPN 206421 ESPN Let's go to Rick in Northfolk Hey Rich Rick how are you
5: yeah, we've had Rick, Rich, and now Rick. I know,
3: it's Rick, yeah. Yeah, I'm doing
5: great, John. Hey, uh, I think Rick, two calls ago, just took the wind out of my sail. He covered everything. So I guess a lot of the other Hawks fans feel the same way. Mm-hmm. I don't want to talk about my team, and I appreciate you not you know, picking on my bears because you're right about that offensive oh, line, John. Oh,
3: God. I mean, am, oh, am I, am I had, wrong in anything? thinking that's that's one of the worst offensive lines I've seen in years?
5: Right. So I'll, I'll I'll give the the Seahawks fans some juice. The difference in the Seahawks this year is that defensive line. Mm-hmm. You got big bodies and big putts knocking people over in the backfield. I don't even care about Monet's. It almost sent a message. Yeah. Um, you know, his uh, offside. Um, but but Al Woods look huge out there. Mm-hmm. Monet is a very big man. And there's so much pressure in the middle, it makes. Uh, you know, Dunlap, Maola, um, Green, makes them all look like uh, Averill and Bennett are playing. And we had the same thing when we had uh, uh, that big and Mebane and Red Bryant uh, uh, playing both defensive tackle and mm-hmm. defensive end. Matter of fact, he was better as, as a DE, but just big bodies back there. And it yeah. puts so much pressure on Wentz. And I think it's going to be the same thing on Tannehill, maybe even worse. So.
3: Right. What, I, what I like is when uh, Ken Norton Jr. decided to stop the run and decided to go three defensive tackles. I thought that was impressive. Yeah.
5: You know, I I wasn't a big Pete fan at first and stuff. And then after, oh, probably after the second year, I yeah. realized he's a really good coach who didn't get a chance. And that that happens all the time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, here's the second chances and the Allen family for for making a uh, uh, great hires in Schneider and Carroll and having an outstanding facility, it gives them an edge. And it's, it's such a relaxed, um, uh, you know, thing for most players that come from dysfunctional teams. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I heard a call from jet saying something about, uh, uh, putting Joe Douglas and wisdom in the same sentence. And it brought a smile to my face. And yeah, th- thanks for Jamal Adams, by the way, Joe. And, uh, I don't I don't get getting a, a Rick Meyer type quarterback if you don't have anyone to protect him because you know, you could say the same thing about Zach, that he got he you know, he take uh, takes a lick and he keeps on ticking. Right. And that, you know, he's gonna get happy feet. And mm-hmm. I'm surprised that Meyer took him two years before he started seeing ghosts. So you got to protect your people. And no I doubt, Seahawks, and, and, and and the thing is, is line. that
3: you know, here they are. They're they're drafting uh, high draft choices to try to fix the line, but then you know Mika Beckton ends up getting hurt. Uh, you can see that their first, you know, their first round pick from this year. I mean, he's he struggled, and so it's like, uh, you know, and you know, honestly, one of the things I noticed this year. Is it because of the opt-outs and all the different things? You know, the offensive line, which was a strength in this draft, hasn't performed, and I know we're only talking one game, to the level you would expect. I mean, you've got a lot of injuries. We don't do
5: two days anymore.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
5: you got to get them big uglies playing uh, in sync together. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you look at, like, Washington's Hogs. Those guys were together forever. Oh, I know. Um, <clears throat> I remember when, when Jimbo Covert was, like, the new guy to my Bears, yeah, right? Right. And and mm-hmm. I didn't like him because he didn't, you know, early on, even though I knew he had a lot of talent, yeah, yeah. he was like a Jermaine Effetti. Mm-hmm. And he just... Sort of bugged
3: me. Hey, but I got to run. We're up uh, against the break right now. So thank you for the call. Good one, John. Coming up next, our weekly dose of the Gras with Dave Crosby.
1: This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com.
3: It is time for our weekly uh, dose of the Groz with Dave Grosby, and so last night the uh, Mariners get a 6-2 victory over Kansas City, a nice win. And even though they lost the two games to Boston, that you know really making it tough to uh, you know get the wild card. You know they're still in the race,
2: still in it, but it's uh, it's got the feeling of playing out the string a little bit. They got yeah. three teams to catch, and and there's not a lot of games to play, so. Uh, it's all about having a good year, and and uh, once again wondering what could have been, I suppose.
3: Yeah. So back to Jared Kelnick. Uh, what what do you see from him?
2: Um, look, he, he had a he had some, he's having some moments hitting the ball, hitting the long ball here uh, lately, and and it's been impressive to watch. Um, they may have uh, you know in retrospect uh, brought him up a year a year earlier. I mean, it may, it may Kevin Mather may have been mm-hmm. right. It may maybe they should have waited a little bit, but he did get a baptism of fire. He did. He did uh, plow through a couple of slumps and and got sent down and came back up and and probably learned a lot from this year and and is definitely looking very good here the last couple of weeks.
3: I mean, mean, now that he's had uh, multiple uh, home run games, which, of course, last time anybody was like that was Alex Rodriguez. I mean, I wouldn't obviously put him in the Alex Rodriguez category, but you have to think that he's got to be part of that conversation.
2: He's definitely you know he's had potential he's got the potential that there's never been any issue about that you know the, the he was the most touted uh, one of the, the highest touted uh, guys in, in the Yankee system when these uh, the, the Met system when they made the trade for him so um, he's always been touted as a great player and uh, we, we began to see some signs of it and and we'll see if he develops I mean this is the key now uh, you know the the Mariners have shown the ability to, to get talent the next question is, is can they consistently develop it and you see it happening with some guys and hopefully we'll see it with Kelmick.
3: Well, the one thing I think that under this current administration, as much as I like Jack Sorensick, you know, they really didn't have the guys to help to develop the younger guys. And I think that became right. a problem, but now I think what you can look at is that they do seem to have the guys who can develop the talent.
2: They do. I mean, they they do. It's been it, it's it's looking that way anyway. Um, and uh, you know, again, these guys will be will be the test. You know, when we, we see them next year and, a, and the rest of them in a full season, you know, if if those guys you know take a step forward, that that's the key. I mean, we've seen uh, guys come come up before and have have you know make splashes as rookies and then just just go flat. So you know, this is obviously the big question surrounding the Mariners going into the off season. Uh, along with the other guys are going to bring up is, is how well they developed the the guys who came up this year and and uh, hopefully it is better than it was during the forensic era.
3: Yeah, and the one thing I think is good, good, Jerry Depoto, I think has done a good job of filling in a lot of, of the starters. I mean, Sam Flexen has done a good job, Ta- t- uh, Taylor Anderson has done a good job. I mean, and so and of course the bullpen has done a good job too.
2: They've done a good job of identifying talent. You know, bullpens are always hit or miss and, and, um, you know, they, they managed to hit this year. I mean, when you're, when you're just piecing it together year by year, you, you'll, you'll hit some, you'll, you'll miss some, but, uh, they definitely had hits. And then Chris Flexen was, it was a huge hit this year. I mean, was basically, you know, not even a consideration, I don't think for most teams coming into this season and is going to be a double digit winner for them. Uh, he was a, he was a terrific, uh, terrific job of, of major league scouting and, and seeing a seeing a guy who had had major league ability, and and uh, you know after his his stint a couple of years back with the Mets, so yeah, they're, they're, they they definitely did identify some talented guys for this year. And and look, the pressure is going to be on for next year. I mean, they look uh, there are those like me that thought this year was the year they should have gone for it, and I maintain I stand by that. I think their record shows that they you know I mean for everyone who says they can't hit and they can't do this or that, they're going to wind up in all likelihood, three or four games out of a playoff spot. Would it be that hard to get three or four games better? In my opinion, no. So, you know, hopefully they didn't blow an opportunity here because the one thing that you're not guaranteed in baseball is things go according to plan. You get half a dozen guys injured, key guys. Uh, guys have slumps. I mean, you know, nothing is guaranteed. It's not all written down. It's not all based on numbers. So. You know, we'll see if they if they look back on this year as a year that they blew an opportunity or not.
3: Yeah, no doubt about it. But uh, I think things look good. I thought that Diego Castillo, despite the slow the bad start that he had since coming over since the trade, is now kind of settled down and is looking like a really decent reliever.
2: Oh, yeah. Once he got out, he had that little stint on the DL, and that seemed to straighten him right out. And he looked more than decent. I mean, he looks like the guy that was that was a very effective closer for for Tampa and. And he's a guy that that figures very prominently for them in the future. I would think is probably uh, in in the closing spot or at least competing for it based on what he's done in the past. But he really seemed to benefit from that trip to the DL a couple of weeks ago.
3: Yeah, because I mean, you know, like last night again. I know he had a walk, and sometimes that's a little troublesome when he does that. But uh, you know, I thought that uh, you know he came back at the right time and made the right pitches and was able to close out that game.
2: Definitely, yeah. I mean, he he, he definitely had uh, he, he's got. I think he lost his confidence a little bit when he was first here. That's another, uh, obviously, part of it, and I think he's got it back right now. So, yeah, he, is, he, he looks – you see what uh, – excuse me, you see what they saw in him. When mm-hmm. He's got that slider going. He is very tough to handle.
3: No question about it. Uh, now on the bad subject, I mean, will, will the University of Washington have, have any kind of an offense –
2: well, I mean, if they're gonna, this is going to be the week we're going to see it. Uh, you know, Arkansas State is is um, is a team that, that doesn't have much of a defense. They have a great offense though themselves. So, I mean, this doesn't figure to be a walkover, even though Washington is a 17-point favorite. But you know, it's uh, it's uh, obviously this is this is the season for Washington. I mean, to, to put it mildly, and mm-hmm. and uh, you know, they, it may not be able to, they may not be able to recover what they want to recover even at this point. But if they if they stumble and fall in this game, you know. Then you're, you're waking up the ghosts of Tyrone Willingham and, and the the mega terrible 0 uh, 12 season. Uh, so we'll, we will see. We will see if they can if they can get their offense going in this game. And uh, and get people feeling uh, a little bit more normal about Husky football because it certainly hasn't felt
3: that way at oh, all so it, far. It was, I mean, these the first two games have just been awful. Now you understand it was going to be a tough game against Michigan because it was Michigan. It was going to be on the road, but that first game was just terrible against Montana.
2: Oh yeah, oh yeah. And then this is a team, like I said, Arkansas State will can run it up and mm-hmm. score some points. So I mean, it's it's even against Washington's defense, they're going to be able to score. So it, it should be. At the very least entertaining game and, and Washington should be happy to come away with a the victory. They just need it they just need a W in the worst worst way possible, John.
3: Yeah, and right now the way that they played the first two weeks, it has been the worst way. There's no doubt about it. But they've got to find a way to get back to a victory. What's your thoughts on Washington State after a couple weeks?
2: Uh I think the story about Washington State is 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 it's almost more interesting than what's gonna to happen to their coach on October the eighteenth, isn't yeah. it? You would think, yeah. I mean if it's when the mess that that line hits, well, we'll find out a whole lot today, John. They're, uh, they're playing USC. Uh, you know, they've got it at home, but but it's still USC. And the USC is obviously in some turmoil. But um, you know, when when they were their coach being fired, but normally that, that that team tends to rally around that. We'll see if that's the case. But I think we'll have some some answers about where Washington State is at after after about four o'clock today.
3: Would you agree with me that there was probably a like two years too late to fire Clay Helton. I mean, they should have done it some a couple of years ago. Uh,
2: well, I mean, yes and no. Uh, in, in all fairness, you, know, you got to give a guy a, a chance to get his own recruits in there and playing yeah. before you make a determination. In, in my book, I always felt which is which is five years, as so I understand. And, and nowadays, it's, it's, it's not the kind of time you're used to getting, but it's really the kind of time you should be offering. So they, they he's in his fifth year. Things are not going the way they want. I don't know about doing the the midseason change, whether or not that'll work. But but they've done it, and and uh, you know it gives them a lot because they're not going to get anyone immediately as their new head coach. They're going to probably go on with interims. Gives them a chance to really scout the field out for next year. But I think you got to give got to give college coaches a chance to get their own recruits in there. In my opinion, so you know I I can see the argument your way, but I can also see it the other way.
3: Yeah. So what's on the uh, Gras agenda for the weekend?
2: Well, look, looking forward to see, hearing the, the Husky, uh, Seahawks faithful for the first time. You know, back in the stands, it should make a difference. Mm-hmm. So I expect the Titans to, to play much, much better than they played last week. And I expect it to be a much tougher game uh, than, than than maybe some people are thinking. But, uh, you know, it's hard to imagine Seattle losing their, their yeah. first home game in front of fans for the first time in two years.
3: No doubt about it. That's our weekly Dose of the Garage with Dave Grosby. Dave, enjoy the weekend. Thanks, John. Okay. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN, John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. This is the John
1: Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com.
3: Give us a call at 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. we were out of here at 1030. Washington State football pregame begins then. So it's like get your phone calls in because don't have a lot of time right now. And next week's show is going to be a little bit shorter because of Washington State football. Uh, so in the meantime, we'll also take your text questions. You can text us at uh, 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's text line. And so from the 360 professor, which non-Seahawk game are you most excited about? Uh, to watch in week two. Well, I mean, I, I think, you know, certainly the Kansas City game is going to be one that should be real good. You know, they're, although I guess they, I don't know how good it's going to be because I don't know how good Baltimore is going to be with the, the problems that they have in the backfield. You know, because again, their top three running backs are out. They don't have Nick Boyle. Their first round pick is out on injured reserve. Now we find out that uh, Ronnie Stanley, their left tackle, is not going to be able to play. Uh, They had to put uh, their left guard on injured reserve. And so it's like, what's left? And so it's like, uh, you know, this could be. But I'm still, I mean, Kansas City to me, and that was such a great game, Kansas City and Cleveland in week one. And really a week one where there's a lot of really good football games that – you can see that uh, you know they they came back toward the end, and you know Patrick Mahomes certainly remains, I think, the best quarterback in the league right now. And so he was able to you know come back and get the two point victory. So I'm kind of looking forward to see how Kansas City can do in this game, and also what Baltimore has left from the two five three. Oh, let's go to Al in Renton. Hey, Al.
7: Hey, John. I've been listening to you ever since uh, you were syndicated down the Bay Area radio.
3: Oh, appreciate that. Yeah
7: nbr you've always been good. Hey, listen, I wanted to ask you about, coincidentally, the Mm -hmm. 49ers. Okay. What do you think?
3: I'm worried about the injuries. I mean, you know, if you take away the injuries, they're a playoff team. But again, they can't escape the injuries. I mean, you watched it last year. There was 131 missed starts, whether because of injury or COVID-19. And now here they are. It's like it's injury after injury after injury. You know, they're, they're down Raheem Moster at running back. You know, he's out for the year with a knee injury. Then, you know, they've already got Jeff Wilson missing almost half the season with his knee injury. Then uh, last week, you know, Jason Verrett blows out his ACL. He's done for the year. Emmanuel Mosley's now going to miss two games with a knee injury. Then uh, uh, Dre Greenlaw, I mean, he gets hurt with a knee injury for six to eight weeks. You you explain to me, why do they have so many knee injuries. Since 2013, they've had 24, repeat, 24 ACLs. Why?
7: Well, I don't know. Maybe they are snake bit.
3: Yeah. Could be. But again, it's like uh, they're snake bit, but it seemed to be snake bit just about every year.
7: Yeah, I wish I knew the answer, John. Good question.
3: Yeah, I mean, because again, it's like the one, one thing is, is that uh, they're a good football team. You can see last year they got destroyed on the defensive line because of ACL injuries. And then, uh, you know, they had uh, injuries all up and down the lineup. Uh, Injuries on, the you know, they lost their starting center and, you know, uh, all these different things. But it's like it it just continues and it doesn't stop.
7: Yeah, it's kind of hard to be a 49er fan because of it. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
3: But again, I think it's a good team. And then, of course, I mean, say what you want about Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, he has missed 23 games since he's come to the team, you know, and that was 23 out of the first 48 games. And so you worry, is he going to get injured?
7: Yeah, I'm worried about that. But uh, I'm wondering if the uh, the new quarterback is going to be the one finishes the season.
3: Uh, prob- I mean, probably a good chance. Because yeah. particularly if Jimmy gets hurt, now we'll see where they go. But again, I, I think they're a playoff caliber team. But it's like, uh, what do they really have left at running back? And, you know, even and even a wide receiver. They've had so many problems at the wide receiver position. I mean, already, you know, they had to cut uh wave injured Richie James. You know, J- uh, Jalen Hurd, he ends up going with a knee. Uh, he has a knee injury. And so he's out uh, on injured reserve. And then uh, at some point, you figure Debo Samuel is going to get hurt.
7: Yeah. Well, maybe the defense is, is going to hold together. It'll have to be that, huh?
3: You would hope so. I mean, yeah. but again, can they hold together But the problems they have in the secondary? I mean, you saw what happened last week. You know, they get off to a 38-10 to lead over a bad Detroit team, and then they they lose Verrett. They don't have Mosley. Jimmy Ward gets hurt, and they're throwing a bunch of unknowns out there, and uh, all of a sudden it's 41-33.
7: Yeah, I was wondering how that happened.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
7: Okay, thank you, John. I appreciate it.
3: Okay, thank you. 866-979-ESPN, 206 espn John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.